Hello, and welcome to the Evolve and Elevate podcast. I am Jacob Fry, your show host and humble servant. I have an unwavering belief that no matter where you are, who you are, what you have, or what the story of your past may hold, you have the ability and inner strength to design and realize your best self tomorrow, if only you will put in the effort today. Hey, and welcome back to another episode on the reading of Silver Linings, Finding Growth Within Dysfunction. Before we dive into it today, I want to read another little tidbit out of The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. This one on the law of karma. To experience the law of karma, witness the choices you make in every moment. The best way to prepare any moment in the future is to be fully conscious in the present. Whenever you make a choice, ask yourself two questions. What are the consequences of this choice? And... Will this choice bring happiness to me and to those who are affected by this choice? Ask your heart for guidance and be guided by its message of comfort or discomfort. If the choice feels comfortable, go ahead with that choice. If the choice feels uncomfortable, then don't make that choice. I think the bottom line here is that we know when we're doing something wrong and we know when we're doing something right. It may be that little voice in our head guiding us. It may be a gut feeling. It may be just sticking to our values. But whatever it is, when we make a choice, we know when it's right or wrong. And it's through that knowing that you accumulate karma, right? So if you make a good choice and you know it's a good choice, that's good karma. If you make a bad choice and you know it's a bad choice, that's bad karma. If you make a bad choice and you think it's a good choice... That might not impact the karma as much as a bad choice knowing it's a bad choice would. But I digress. Let's jump back into Silver Linings, Finding Growth Within Dysfunction. Chapter titled, Rental Property. While living at the trailer and focusing on self-improvement, I became focused on building financial stability. I had always feared not being able to feed or support my daughter and dreaded the thought of living payday to payday. Several books I read had shared avenues to develop a financial foundation, and I was determined to put them to use. My cost of living at the time was minimal. We had struggled enough to adapt to living well below our means. On a $40,000 a year salary, I was able to max out my 401k, that's $18,000 a year, and still save some each month. I tried to build wealth wherever I was able. Donating plasma brought in additional income, all of which I invested into the stock market. I'd always wanted to get into real estate and began a rigorous study of that industry. I learned several important skills, such as negotiating a purchase and navigating commercial loans. Somewhere along the journey, I built confidence to purchase, renovate, and rent out a residential home. I had a budget in mind of $40,000, which is not much at all for purchasing a home and remodeling it. I searched for a couple months, reviewing different properties. I finally found one in Warrensburg, Illinois, about a block from the town school, and it was in an ideal area for raising a growing family. The house was falling apart, but it had strong bones. I negotiated the price from 45000 down to 20000 In hindsight, I am sure I lucked out in the transaction as the seller needed cash quickly. I financed the purchase with a commercial loan and added an additional $15,000 for renovation supplies and tools. I researched tenant laws, rental property requirements, and other applicable regulations and laws. I did a complete walkthrough of the property and made a list of what legally needed renovated and what cosmetically needed enhancement. With the help of my brother and father to assist with the heavy lifting, the entire home was a do-it-yourself project. I learned how to mix and apply mortar to resurface the basement. Ripping out the carpet, I found the entire house had sturdy hardwood floors. I got a book from the library on refinishing hardwood and watched several training videos on the subject. Running several sanders and purchasing piles of sandpaper, I refinished every single floor in that house. Installed new ceiling tiles, new vinyl flooring, new windows, stairs, and wall paneling. 
I did outsource some of the plumbing and the siding job to a reliable contractor, yet I still stuck around and learned how to do those jobs while they were working. It was a hefty project, but we succeeded and did it within budget. The neighbors were so happy that the neighborhood eyesore had been spruced up. They came over while I was doing an open house and offered potential new residents snacks. Within two weeks of listing the house, I secured a three-year lease at $1,100 a month. The ROI on my first property project has paid for itself in full while bringing strong cash flow through the years. This win pushed me to continue making intentional financial decisions that have led me to a debt-free and financially stress-free life. Silver linings. When we apply ourselves to something wholeheartedly, we often find it to be much easier than anticipated. When you are all in on a project, you tend to find resourcefulness that helps you push through. There are points in our lives where we must take the leap and take a risk on ourselves. Diving into something outside of the comfort zone may lead to a return on capital and new skills. Chapter titled, Seeking Opportunity. I volunteered to be the chairman of the Location Safety Board. I eventually won the seat and began leading meetings. I gained valuable public speaking skills and project management experience. At the same time, I was still keeping my nose to the grindstone, attending college full-time, now working on my bachelor's. About two years into my role as a transportation dispatcher, I felt I was ready for the next step. I had recently patent passed up for an internal promotion, informed that it was because I did not have the college requirements. I knew that wasn't the true verdict, but accepted as it was given. I put myself through rigorous self-improvement regimens, college, gym, fitness, reading a book every two weeks, taking extra skill-specific courses, and more. I had self-taught myself enough Excel to know how to pass a Microsoft certification test. I knew I was ready for more responsibility in my career. And as Les Brown says, quote, I was hungry, unquote. I felt I had hit a glass ceiling within the dispatch team and I set my sights elsewhere. I applied internally for several roles and started growing my network. ADM is a gigantic corporation with several business units and more than 30,000 employees. The company was seething with opportunity. Still, on a never-ending self-improvement kick, I had heard from several high-performing professionals that a mentor was vital to success. Not willing to settle for just any mentor, I traveled to the top of our business unit. A dispatcher was fairly low on the internal totem pole. It was outside of my comfort zone to approach anyone to ask to be mentored. Pushing through the fear, I asked the vice president of the business unit to mentor me. He doesn't hesitate to accept the request. Silver linings. Continue to grow and learn to venture regularly outside of your comfort zone. If you shoot for the sun and miss, you will still land among the stars. Mentorship. Over the course of a few months, I met with the company leader for mentorship meetings. We both shared our backgrounds, professional goals for the future. He had a very inspiring career story, beginning as a shop employee in a relatively small terminal. He worked his way up the corporate ladder rung by rung. Accepting more responsibility and chasing growth opportunities, he found his way to the vice president title with old-fashioned work ethic and a desire for self-growth. He expressed that he was in the phase of his career which passing on knowledge, or mentorship, was a value that he felt he could bring to others. I learned several valuable lessons during our time together. I learned the importance that soft skills play in leadership roles, that emotional intelligence is more important for a leader than technical know-how. I learned that the foundation for career growth within a large organization is relationships. He shared the importance of fostering relationships and never burning bridges if at all possible. Reverting to his story of growing from a shop employee to the vice president, you never know who may be where within a decade or two. Another valuable learning was the importance of picking up the phone. In an area and time in which everyone sends emails, a phone call is a rare and critical tool. 
Silver linings. When you focus on bringing value to others, you will inevitably find value within yourself and for yourself. Chapter titled, Opportunity Seeks the Prepared. When you focus on self-growth, opportunity has a strange way of finding you. Not much long after I began mentoring with the company leader, an exciting opportunity fell into my lap. The company had won a bid on new business in New York, and they needed a dispatcher on site temporarily to learn the route and driver capabilities. I was presently managing Northeast drivers and was given the first opportunity to fly to New York for a few weeks to develop the dispatch structure. Naturally, I jumped at the opportunity, and I found myself at the airport a week later. I had tied up all my loose ends and ensured my daughter was taken care of while I was away. I was out of my mind excited. This is a trend when you make the decision to live in gratitude to board the plane. It was my first ever airplane ride. At age 25, I was acting like a 12-year-old at the airport. I gasped at how big the airport was itself. My first flight ever was out of the Chicago O'Hare Airport. If you were there, I was the guy who took ages in the security check-in because he wasn't prepared to take off his boots. Boarding the plane, I had to have been the happiest passenger and coach. It was just like the movies. The flight attendant gave us a spiel, keep your seatbelts on, and how to use an oxygen mask. Shortly after the plane began its ascent... We were flying. I snapped as many pictures of the takeoff as I could and just as many during the night landing. I was in awe. Silver linings. Life has so many gifts to offer that do not require first class to enjoy. Chapter titled, The Grindstone. For the next few weeks, I navigated the startup operations of the transportation terminal. We onboarded a dozen drivers while training them to be safe and efficient. I learned the shipment routes and streamlined location processes. Working with a corporate recruiter who was at the location short-term during the startup, I caught wind that the location was interviewing for a terminal manager. I tossed the idea around in my head, considering myself for the role. I considered the personal implications and the professional opportunity. I convinced myself that it was the best move for my family and myself. I had no doubt in my mind that this was my time to showcase my skills and prove to the company leadership that I was the best fit for the role. I prepared endlessly for the terminal manager responsibilities. I learned the ins and outs of the local terminal and began creating daily project reports to share with leadership. I reported on the status of the location and areas of the business needing improvement. I learned more about the shop management, food grade wash bays, food grade shipping, pneumatic operations. The fleet was compiled of pneumatic trailers, driver management, and much more. I was a learning machine while on site, and I did not hesitate to demonstrate it. With the daily project reports, I developed project plans and compiled data analysis of valuable location-level metrics. I built rapport with the local team and in all areas of the business while moving myself into the good graces of high-level leaders. A few weeks turned into a few more weeks, and I heard through the grapevine that many thought I would be a good fit for the location manager. When the interview rounds began, I was offered a chance to throw my hat in the ring. I completed my application and polished a cover letter and resume. The interview included some of the more difficult interview questions that I had experienced. It was behavioral-based with questions aimed at revealing the true level of knowledge regarding the role responsibilities. Questions such as, how would you manage a driver's portfolio in regard to compliance? Or, from most important to least, tell us 10 items critical to developing a transportation terminal. Leaving little room to fake your way through the interview, I walked into extreme confidence, having studied, researched, and prepared for the interview. This correlated to walking out feeling that I had given the best interview I was capable of. For the next week, all signs pointed to me being offered the role if I truly wanted it. My hometown company mentor called me the next week. He wanted to have a serious discussion regarding the role in New York. His intentions were to ensure that I considered the potential life-changing pivot from all angles. He informed me that the company would be bringing me back home to have some time to think it over. Silver Linings 
Touching on preparation again, preparation for the known events in life is critical to success. Few people give a world-class speech without first considering their words. I am not aware of any actors or actresses that can perform a blockbuster without first rehearsing. I have always considered the four P's throughout my career. Preparation prevents poor performance. At the time, I felt I was ready to dive headfirst into the new role. Down the road, I can appreciate the wisdom the company leader had in ensuring I was fully prepared and committed. Chapter titled, Family Discussions. When one has a family to care for, one cannot simply make life-changing decisions without including them. I knew what I desired. I wanted to get away from what we had known and were set in a new area. The potential for self-improvement seemed unlimited in New York. The only two opinions that truly would have an impact on me were my brother and my daughter. My first and favorite plan was to convince them both to relocate to New York with me. Unfortunately, that idea was quickly and repetitively shot down. My brother did not want to leave his comfort zone, and my daughter couldn't bear the thought of being without other family members and friends. I let the dilemma stew for a while before considering alternate realities. I knew I could override her wishes and pull the father's trump card, but I also knew that she would never forgive me and likely suffer while in New York. My daughter was 10 at the time. I recalled what my life had been like around that age. I remembered the emotions I struggled with, along with what I felt like not having a family to lean on. As I combated this, the universe worked to support my growth and ensure everyone remained happy. My daughter's grandparents offered to take temporary guardianship of her while I was working. This would enable me to travel and allow my daughter to remain with family and friends. I would keep full custody while having the ability to visit her and reach her anytime. I would give my brother the title to the trailer we lived in, as well as give him an avenue to support himself. Silver Linings It is interesting the way the universe creates a path for us when we desire strongly. Chapter titled Brotherly Support and Deep Ditches I paid for my brother to go through the same CDL course I had. He enjoyed it, and after earning his CDL, he was offered his first role as an over-the-road truck driver. He would spend a few weeks at a time in the truck and return home for a few days. He drove contently for a few months, and then winter arrived. My brother had never driven, nor had he been trained to drive in extreme weather conditions. That winter, Michigan had a brutal blizzard that led to whiteout conditions. My brother found himself traversing the roads in an old beat-up Freightliner, a semi-truck, pulling a 53-foot trailer during those conditions. He was looking for a place to safely stop, but before he found it, he lost control of the tractor and jackknifed through a guardrail into a ditch. 75,000 pounds of semi-truck barreled downhill onto a small side road. As he came to, he was suspended by the seatbelt and unable to free himself. The truck cab had come separated from the frame, and on its side, he was unable to reach his phone or unlatch his seatbelt. The engine stalled, and he had no heat in the cab, laying there for nearly 12 hours. No one found him until the next morning due to the blizzard. He survived the incident wearing a neck brace and covered in bruises for the next month or so. Following the incident, he has had trouble with feeling safe while driving. He refuses to drive a semi-truck to this day and has dropped his CDL. When traveling together, he has difficulty allowing others to drive on the interstate. Thankfully, he had saved up enough while driving during that sprint to support himself in the low-maintenance trailer for quite some time. Silver Linings Trauma in our lives has a way of preventing us from not only moving forward, but from limiting our own potential. It took several years for my brother to get comfortable driving again. During that time, who knows what he may have missed due to the fear of driving. Living below one's mean is a surefire way to live financially comfortably. The stress of financial burden in our nation is devastating. It can be greatly reduced by eliminating the feeling of needing more 
and by finding happiness and gratitude for the abundance present now. Chapter titled Servant Leadership. With everything in place, I accepted the job offer and set sails for New York. The company relocated me, helping with relocation costs, a new level of fancy for a kid from the city slums. I found a small but quaint cottage for rent about 15 minutes from the office. The daily commute was about 30 minutes and was solid enough to get in some motivational audio into myself each morning. I doubled down on my growth efforts while in New York. I applied myself vigorously to the manager role. During my time at the terminal, we grew from zero revenue to seven figures. Our employee retention remained at 100% for well over a year, which is a unicorn in the trucking industry. And our force continued to grow. Our growth and retention rates didn't stem from luck. I treated the team like humans. I approached every interaction and each day from a servitude approach. I sincerely believe that the servant leadership style is unequal when it is genuine. I would include all levels of colleagues in our decision making as much as possible. I would ask drivers and terminal operation colleagues for advice on all things big and small. I hand wrote personalized letters to colleagues for holidays, all 30 of them. I could be found at the terminal 2, 3, 4 a.m. many days helping others get a head start on their responsibilities. I always aimed to set an example and I never complained. When in the presence of colleagues, I was always smiling unless the situation required otherwise. I concretely feel that the leader's emotions impact everyone on the team. Positive breeds positive just as much as negative breeds negative. I slept on a small camping cot out in the office a handful of nights to conquer my self-set goal deadlines. I invited colleagues to attend the gym with me and always supported their self-improvement while trying to set an example for myself. My approach may have been unorthodox, but having read numerous leadership books, Simon Sinek to John Maxwell, I knew that a 25-year-old managing team averaging twice my age, I had to be extraordinary to be taken seriously. Early into the adventure, we had several team meetings in which I told the team I was there for them, that my job was to improve their lives and make their working experience better, that I was available for them 24-7, 365. I had zero management experience, but I knew what I had always desired from a leader and tried to offer my team exactly that. I wasn't chasing money and prestige. I was seeking experience, self-growth, and a platform to grow upon. And I found it in New York. Over the couple of years I spent with the terminal, we grew exponentially. I grew exponentially. We also navigated several highs and lows together. I led the team through a terrible plant fatality, which shook our terminal. I led the team through the entire pandemic as a group of essential workers. I didn't portray myself as a boss, but as a leader. I had my own CDL, and I would drive with the colleagues to deliver to customers. I equipped the same uniforms and the same gear the team was required to wear daily. I was the only terminal manager in the company to order himself work uniforms. I would scrub the wash bay, put airs in the tires, help lift, help clean, vacuum, take out the trash, all in service of the team. This servant leader approach was, in my opinion, hands down the largest variable in creating and maintaining a highly effective and strongly knit team. Our first full year operating together as a unit and being the youngest terminal at the time, our operating margins outpaced all other senior terminals. Silver linings. Early on, while transitioning to the management position, there was some pushback from older colleagues. This can be found in all industries and all roles, even within the military. I recall a story from my father about an inexperienced college kid stepping into leading a unit. The stigma will always be there, and the only way around it is to prove your mettle. Contribute to the front line, perform the duties considered grunt work. This inevitably earns respect with time. 
During my time as an employee at different locations, I had experienced leaders that had a deficit in leadership knowledge. From my Walmart manager laughing at me, my Sears manager laying off an entire team with no emotion, and my Mac manager being indifferent to the hostile work environment, I knew who I wouldn't be and decided in advance who I would be. Servant leadership is putting your team before you in all things. Words will not earn respect. Actions will. Chapter titled, Extreme Personal Growth. While working full-time as a terminal manager, I was also continuing my education as a full-time student. I tried to live by Jim Rohn's quote, Work harder on yourself than you do your job. This one was a struggle because I worked extremely hard on my job, yet I pushed myself to improve in all areas I was able to. This began with streamlining my day-to-day. I purchased a sonic boom alarm clock, and I set it up on the other end of the cottage. Each night I would turn it on and set the alarm for 4.30 a.m. I would prepare for the next day by laying out clothes and preparing meals. Each morning I had a morning ritual. Splashing cold water onto my face, I grabbed my gym bag, lunch bag, and work portfolio. I would exercise from 5 to 7, doing an hour of cardio, 45 minutes of anaerobic focus, and 15 minutes doing a guided meditation. I read a book while performing the cardio. Remember, Tony Robbins' NET, No Extra Time? While on the stair, master, elliptical, or stationary bike, I would read through numerous technical and nonfiction books. Turning on classical music in my headphones, I would zone out and dial into the book. The lineup included books such as Professional Certification Study Guides and all the books under the umbrella of self-improvement, time management, goal setting, communication, body language, public speaking, personal finance, business finance, spirituality, and so much more. I was pushing through a serious amount of literature in that New York gym. It equated to about two books a month. I recorded several personalized guided meditations that helped me visualize a future I designed. I included my ideal financial situation, education, dream career, and more. The power of meditation and visualization is hard to explain to the unindoctrinated. All I can say is that if you haven't, you owe it to yourself to try it. After my work shift, which never really ended as I received calls all the time, I did schoolwork. I eventually earned my bachelor's degree and I began working on my next goal, an MBA. When looking back, I still can hardly believe I made it from school dropout to earning a bachelor's. I earned several professional certifications as the desire for learning and applying that learning became internalized. Google can help with the acronyms. I use it regularly, but I earned the APIC CSCP, the PMP, the CTP, and others that required expensive study. I joined groups of professionals and loved the journey of learning. I even signed up for courses at a local community college to gain other skills, such as photoshopping and website creation. My desire to grow and learn had become endless. Silver linings. Working harder on yourself than you do your job is a simple concept. The more you improve yourself as an individual, the more opportunity that will open up to you. Maintaining the status quo and not learning new skills would have likely led to me still living in a trailer to this day. A morning ritual is one of my favorite self-discipline actions. Starting the morning with a ritual that primes you for the coming day is very powerful. My first introduction to meditation was at an alternative school. I was extremely skeptical when we began. A year later, meditation had become a staple in my life and improved, among other things, my stability and self-awareness. Chapter titled, Destiny Strikes Again. January 1st, 2021. I was taking a week off from work to drive home to see my family. I was excited to see my daughter, my brother, and others. Needless to say, it was a haul from New York to Illinois. I began the trek on New Year's Day, leaving my cottage in the morning, making my way through Pennsylvania, and a snowstorm began. I didn't see the black ice that had formed on the road. I lost control of the truck, and the vehicle did a 360 while barreling 60 miles per hour into a ditch. 
The truck rolled as I clenched and repeated, no, 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 in fear. I found myself lying on the driver's side door, the driver's side of the vehicle embedded in the earth. I loosened my seatbelt and stood up. The entire time I was regaining my awareness, I was shouting at myself, I'm alive. I could hardly believe it, but I was nearly completely unscathed. I tried to lift open the passenger side door and climb out. The door was too heavy to lift in the awkward angle I found myself in. Finding my cell phone, I called 911. Following a panic call, I saw some smoke coming through the dash. Extreme adrenaline mode kicked in at the side of the smoke. At the same time, a passerby pulled over and ran over to the truck that lay sideways in the ditch. He had saw me struggling and helped me get out of the truck. With the door held open, I stood on the steering wheel, climbed out of the top of the truck, and jumped off into the snow. The gentleman was in sweatshirt and jeans, looking me over and asking me if I was all right. I was. I checked all over for any sign of injury and found nothing apparent aside from minor impact soreness. The man waited for me and the first responders. I was grateful that he had stopped. A dozen others had driven past with little consideration. He offered to let me sit in his car, but I rejected politely. He had already helped enough. He handed me a beanie from his head as the first responder pulled up to the scene. The gentleman wished me luck and told me to stay warm. He was walking away and driving off before I even had a chance to get his name. I was so hyped up on adrenaline that I hadn't even realized that I was in a t-shirt in a winter storm. Refusing medical attention, the tow truck arrived and gave me a lift to a nearby truck stop in Snowshoe, Pennsylvania. They had some decent chicken and cool trinkets for sale at the truck stop. As I sat in the back of the truck stop eating coleslaw, I dwelled in my thoughts for a few hours. I was sure as I slid down the interstate that I was going to die. It reminded me in a very potent form how frail life can be. Thankfully, I did not pass that day and was gifted another opportunity to continue this journey. I recalled all the people that had driven by and among them the one who man who had stopped, giving me a beanie from his head. I felt a deep need to do more with my life. As I sat there, I meditated on my day and the life choices that had brought me to that truck stop. I decided then and there that I wouldn't waste another day. I would work on myself, not only for myself, but to help others. I would give back to those who had helped me and sought to help others. I would share my story and work a shiny light on a path that others may not know exists. Just as when we are children, we are unable to see more than others will allow us to. And when we are adults, we often do not see more than what our lives have limited us to. Often the only thing that is wrong with our lives is the way we think about it, change the way we think, and we can change our lives. Silver Linings It is common to be a bystander, to allow events to occur or dismiss others and their needs. Our world needs more of the egg in common. We need those who are willing to truly act selflessly and aid others in need. There seems to be a pattern in our society in which the mortality characteristic of life is overlooked until the final moments of life. I sincerely believe that those who accept that our life as we know it is not eternal will find themselves living each day at a higher and more fulfilled level than those who do not. Facing the prospect of not being offered another day creates an urgency to explore, adventure, live happily, and add to others. Decide today to live every remaining day with zest and a mission. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Evolve and Elevate podcast. As always, this is Jake, signing off. And remember, when things are looking down, you always have the choice 